and welcome to the FinTech podcast series. My name is Asia Amwar-Jones and I support the TransUnion FinTech team here in the UK and Europe. These podcasts are produced to help listeners understand the ever-changing data and technology landscape. And with me today is our head of FinTech, Steve Wishart, and our data and analytics director, Beneath Mecca. Steve, I'll come to you first for an introduction. Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Steve Wishart. I lead FinTech for TransUnion uh, for both the UK and Europe. And Pranith? Hi, you got Pranith here. I head the data science and analytics team here uh, in TransUnion UK. Wonderful. Thank you both for joining me today. The focus of this session is to talk about the Alt-Fi Festival of Finance, which happened last week. And the session was a two-day in-person event, which focused on innovation in fintech, banking and lending in the UK and across Europe. It was the first time many people got back together in a conference environment face-to-face. The venue was beautiful, the Park Plaza, London Riverbank, some great food, plenty of discussions and just a really good opportunity to network and hear from our industry peers. Of course, one of the biggest highlights was the opening keynote from our very own Shail Deep, Chief Product Officer, and the topic that she focused on was trust, the trust that consumers have in the businesses of today, the things that could potentially erode those trusts and really how success is made when the concept of trust is really embedded in a business and the brand that they portray. Steve, from your perspective, what were the more detailed takeaways from Shale's keynote? Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess firstly, just to echo what you said at the top of the podcast, it was really enjoyable to, to meet everyone again and reconnect uh, with a lot of our contacts and clients and partners in the industry. That was super exciting to do that. I think the event itself was, was really thought-provoking. It was very much forward-facing, you know, what the future holds for the market. Lots of uh, talk around innovation and disruptors. That was really exciting and interesting to watch over the, the course of the two days. Just jumping back to Shale's keynote speech, I think there were some really interesting insights that come out of that, particularly from the consumer credit white paper that we recently published from TransUnion. You know, we've seen some um, information there around consumers saying, you know, 43% choose the company they work with or the um, providers they work with based on trust. Um, that was really interesting. You know, we've seen how digital age has been accelerated dramatically through the pandemic. And that was highlighted by the fact that only 21% of consumers have been back to their actual branch since the pandemic, which again, you know, gives you a sort of very interesting trend there. And then we, we went on to things like the cost of living. And that's how, you know, I guess the economic shock that's happened in the background in the industry. And we've seen that six in 10 consumers are worried about, you know, the impact of, of cost of living, living will have on, on their financial position as well. So, you know, these are all, all things that we're sort of staring into, I guess, as a you know, credit reference agency and I will work with our clients. The other key themes that came across the other days, I guess, in the conference was open banking was, was discussed a lot over a number of the sessions, you know, that, how that's become very much core to a lot of people's uh, strategy, I guess. And, and also it's been considered from a mainstream perspective as well by consumers and the adoption rate of that is, is growing significantly year on year. And then also sustainability, you know, that was something that was mentioned quite a lot, again, across the conference. And again, that's, I think being driven about how consumers, you know, obviously uh, look at the market and that's that's super important to them. And that's driving lenders' product strategies as well. And, and that, again, seems to be an area that's accelerating at pace. I, I completely agree. And I think just coming back to the point around the trust keynote, think about sustainability and 
even Chael touched on it on the day that consumers buy into businesses when they represent the key values that they want to see and that they believe in and sustainability is certainly one of those. Um, You've just touched on there around buy now, pay later, open banking, and they were buzzwords of the day alongside crypto as well. In particular, there were a couple of panels that looked at buy now, pay later and the evolution of what's happening within that sector. What themes emerged and what were interesting talking points that you're keen to follow up or learn about from the sessions? Yeah, I mean, you know, we were lucky enough to be on a panel. I personally was was on a panel too. So I think the way we, I guess the industry is talking about BMPL version 1.0 and the movement towards BMPL version 2.0. So when they talk about 1.0, it's much more about, you know, the checkout experience and there being an option there to, to spread the payment over a period of time. And then the 2.0 is more about, you know, the consumer having the flexibility to go and use a buy now, pay the product, I guess, in the open market without being tied to particular merchants and, and that journey, really. And some BMPL players have, have made that journey. Some have landed straight on BMPL sort of version 2.0 as well. So I think that was quite interesting in terms of, you know, how that's developed uh, in the market. We've obviously got our own involvement in, in the market as well, and we've been shaping the, um, the report and framework as well with uh, industry bodies, with lenders, uh, with the regulators uh, to make sure that, you know, again, the consumer's at the heart of everything really in terms of how that's designed and it to support the consumer. So that's pivotal in that respect. And, and there was a lot of different opinions there and the sort of the, the panel was being asked about what bad press BMPL might be getting. And I think we were all very aligned in the fact that BMPL is a good product. It comes back to responsible lending, essentially, and making sure that, you know, you are protecting the consumer and making sure the data is visible as well. So there's no blind spots in the industry. And it's more about the fact that the sort of regulatory landscape needs resetting to support that product rather than it being, you know, any sort of question marks against the product. So I think that was pretty broadly accepted across the panels when we were having those conversations. And again, it came back to the consumer, you know, having choice, making sure their data was reported accurately. It was proportionate. And, you know, and really helping it drive sort of the path towards financial inclusion as well. So, you know, there's a lot of people who are using BMPL products that are not visible, I guess, from a credit bureau perspective or a credit report perspective. So you've got maybe 500,000 consumers who will become visible when this data is available in the market. And that's brilliant because people who are, you know, performing well with these products, paying on time and showing that responsible behavior can be rewarded for it. And there'll come a time when their score will improve based on that, on that behavior as well. So. I think that was a message that landed well with the audience. And again, it was all about if we keep the consumer at the heart of all of these things that we're trying to do, whether it's credit reference agencies, lenders or regulators, then hopefully that, that leads to a positive outcome. Brilliant. Yeah, some really interesting points that you've hit on there. And BMPL is really shaking up the market. The growth that it saw over the pandemic has really been stratospheric for that particular sector. And beneath you, we're unable to escape the topic of BNPL either, just like the rest of us. And so you were on a session with Klarna on Innovation Labs, a service that we offer. How did that session go? Can you give us a flavour of what you talked about? I noticed it was a particularly popular session and uh, they had to close the doors and stop letting people in at one point. 
<laughs> no, it was uh, it was a really good session, uh, Asia. In fact, uh, I think we had uh, slotted only half an hour for the session, but it went on for close to 45 minutes. And um, it was a really engaging set of discussions about how innovation labs can, can really help solve problems. Um, and very much very close to the BNPL topic, we had uh, Sam uh, Scales from Klarna, who actually presented along with me and Gareth. And we were really talking about how TransUnion essentially has invested a lot in in data science, especially in in people, in in bringing in new sets of data, using various processes and technologies to be able to get the best of insights uh, that can derive uh, the right actions out of the work that we do. And that was really the essence of uh, Innovation Labs. As a service, we've been able to provide um, quite interesting problems that we've been able to solve for clients. And having Klarna there in the room and talk about the first Innovation Lab that we actually did with them was very insightful because uh, it opened up the opportunities of how we could collaborate with buy now pay later providers and actually define the entire guidance of how data needs to be submitted into the bureau. It was a problem that existed uh, for a long time, close to about 18 months. There was a lot of discussions happening within regulatory bodies, within uh, the buy now pay later industry as well about how this data needs to be coming into the bureau and actually the innovation lab where data scientists from TransUnion collaborated with data scientists from Klarna, we did almost like a hackathon to identify what would be the best way. And we defined a new approach of how this data needs to come into the bureau, which would have minimal impact on the consumer scores, but would have the best impact in terms of the outcome of how this data is going to be represented into the bureau was uh, was a perfect um, outcome. And in fact, that is now defined as guidance, which is uh, going to be provided to all the BNPL furnishers and and that's how data is going to come into the bureau. So it was quite part-defining. And in fact, having Sam talk about how the engagement went, how we actually went through the innovation lab was uh, was very interesting. We also showcased uh, some more examples of uh, how we've been working with various other parts of the industries as well, because it's really the combination of the best data and the people of how to use the data that we were able to bring out uh, the best of solutions. So uh, it's a very interesting workshop. Um, I didn't expect that we would go on for so long. We had some really interesting discussions post the workshop as well. So it was uh, it was really good to interact with the folks uh, at the festival. Brilliant. Great to learn a bit more about the Innovation Labs. Your team were the pioneers of bringing that by now pay later data into the credit reference data that we have um, and leading the way for all bureaus. So thank you for that, Paneet. In terms of uh, some of the other topics that were covered on the day, Steve, one of the areas that was looked at was the rise of challenger banks and taking on the traditional incumbent banks. From your perspective, what do you think is driving the demand for consumers moving away from traditional banking? I mean, I think I think choices obviously is important. Um, but I also think the slick service that consumers want. So I guess there's a generational piece there. You know, um, if you think about Gen Z and millennials and they, they want that sort of perfect CX really in the app and this sort of functionality and being able to uh, take control is is massively important to them. So another theme that came through for me in the, the event was how a lot of the sort of industry players are trying to, to have a much more customer or consumer orientated agenda 
behind their strategy, but you know the products they take to market, the customer experience that they deliver. So putting that control in the hands of a consumer is 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 important, and they seem to be leading the way in that. And if you think about the typical generations that they're working with, they're very um, happy to test, you know, sort of new approaches. So they've got a very uh, open-minded consumer base. He'll he'll take new functionality and sort of run with it. Uh, And that just allows them to drive the pace of their own innovation, I think. So I think that's why, you know, we're seeing a shift away from maybe the more traditional lenders. But then to be fair to the traditional players as well, they're clearly responding to that. They're they're investing heavily in their own apps and their own customer experience. And I think there's lots of reports out there that talk to the fact that they're catching up. So I think there's, you know, that arms race continues. And I think the more traditional players are gaining ground. And, you know, we've seen also, you know, launches of BMPL products um, from challenger banks and from traditional banks too, actually. Um, So there's almost validating the, you know, the place of that product in the market. Um, And they see it as complementary to what, what they're already doing. So, yeah, I guess that, that's how I'd see it. Brilliant. Thanks, Steve. Beneath, I know this is a topic that we're actually looking at in an upcoming podcast around what open banking is and where we see it going. But it was a hot topic that was covered several times during the Festival of Finance event. Why do you think open banking is the topic other than buy now, pay later that is on everyone's lips? Yeah, no, I think open banking has definitely evolved from the time it got launched a few years back. Um, and I was part of that guiding force when it was initially launched in terms of um, how that standard had to be set up, how the APIs had to be set up and so on. And from then on, actually, it's progressed really well. Uh, if you look at the kind of data quality that uh, exists using open banking data, it's, it's, it's a lot better. The adoption rates have increased tremendously. It used to be, you know, less than, you know, 10% kind of adoption rates a few years back. Now we have in the high 60s and 70s as well. Um, consumers are willing to share their information, especially when they know what it's going to be used for, and especially when um, some of the data that uh, they're willing to share is uh, they can trust the providers who are actually using that information. It's uh, gaining uh, quite, it's becoming quite popular. And and if you look at um, the kind of use cases that are now being looked at for how open banking data is uh, is adding value, it's growing quite a bit. It's just not in the in the lending space. Uh, it's also in the payment space, uh, but in the lending space, essentially, where uh, earlier it would take quite a lot of time for customers to share some of their credentials, like you know, you know, bank statements, salary slips, etc. It's 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 proving that it can be much faster, quicker through open banking, and in fact, uh, it's not just used for underwriting purposes. We are starting to see clients use it for you know budget planning, even expenditure assessments, um, even at the collections journeys, um, at many other points, and internally within data science analytics as well. We're able to combine some of the open banking transaction data along with uh, credit bureau data and come up with even more compelling solutions that uh, allows players to make much better decisions, especially at the point of originations. So I think open banking has definitely come a long way um, and adoption is increasing. There's a lot of trust built into the system now. Consumers are starting to see open banking journeys and solutions available at different uh, interaction points uh, across payments and lending. So I think it's definitely here to stay and that was i guess what was debated quite a bit uh, at the festival and 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 uk is still playing a massive role in this uk is still 
uh, the leader in open banking. In fact, a lot of other markets are now looking at UK of how they've made this whole ecosystem available uh, within EU now and other markets. So uh, I think we're definitely uh, making a lot of progress in this space. Brilliant. I look forward to catching up with you on our open banking podcast to talk about that in more detail. Steve, the other topic that came up quite a few times was crypto. From your perspective, why is everybody talking about crypto? I think the growth is um, clearly one thing that's grabbing people's attention and the opportunity to maybe to make money or make uh, returns on investments. I think also from a regulatory perspective, you know, there's been recent workshops from the regulator on crypto. Clearly, I think with the regulator looking to bring in a framework, then it's taken a lot more serious, the, the, the sector, and it has that chance of becoming more mainstream. I, I would still suggest now it's not mainstream at the moment, and you can see it coming into some products in, in the market. But I think that's why it was of interest. Um, clearly, it's still volatile. You know, that, you know, in that respect, the funding in crypto is, is huge. Um, you know, we can see that how many funding rounds are happening and how much funding is going into that industry and when it's going in as well. So we know it's happening, you know, the funding is happening earlier on in the sort of the organization's life cycle. So there's a lot of confidence in the market as it develops. So I think that that's, you know, I guess why there's a lot of uh, of interest in that. And it's, it's very, very fast moving, as we all know, sort of week to week. But I think what will be really interesting is how the, the regulator comes and helps shape a framework around that. And that will really sort out, I guess, the crypto players that will stay for the long course really it'll be interesting to see what the regulator does what the government does um and yeah watch this space on crypto so overall there was a really great atmosphere and energy in the room i suppose coming to both of you what do you think this has in store for alternative finance and fintech for the remainder of 2022 what's going to be the hot topics um and i know we've talked about some of the key ones already but is there anything else that you can think of that is going to play a part in shaping what happens in financial services and fintech especially over the rest of the year steve coming to you first yeah, I guess um, you'd still take notice of these sort of economic shocks that are going on in the market. So, you know, cost of living is, is what we're all fully aware of. What's happening in Ukraine is clearly having an impact as well uh, on, on the economy. But I think despite those things, there's, there's still a huge amount of innovation. I think the lines are starting to blur, you know, between certain players. So, you know, the banks are offering new products, um, whether it be challenger banks or traditional banks. The NPL players are offering new products, whether it be credit cards or other things. So I think the lines are starting to blur in the market, which means it's driving more competition. Uh, it's, it's driving more innovation for consumers as well. As, and and as, we, as I mentioned before, the funding isn't slowing down. So whilst there's these, you know, a challenging sort of economic backdrop, if you like, in terms of the forward-facing um, confidence and investment in the market, I don't expect that pace to slow down. And I guess when we get back together next year at the next uh, Alfi conference, we'll, we'll see how far it's come. And beneath from your perspective? Yeah, just to echo, I think, uh, Steve's point, especially around um, cost of living and uh, some of the economic factors that are playing into people's minds and, and also corporations' minds about how they need to change their 
tactics, I think, is is quite relevant. There were some discussions around that, and that's that I'm sure will will be a topic that will be discussed. But you know, it was good to see some discussions, especially within the workshop and in the festival, about how alternate lenders and finance uh, system can cope up with that and still come out on the top because of um, of the innovative ways in which they could be looking at behaviors, trends, data, and be able to uh, you know really build solutions that can get folks out of this uh, kind of a crisis situation. So um, so really good to have some good debates um, and and also good to see some folks really face-to-face and, and hopefully we continue to see similar kind of engagements in the future. Wonderful. Thank you both for joining me today. Hopefully our listeners feel like they got a real sense of the topics of discussion across the two days at the conference and perhaps even felt like they were there themselves. If anybody is interested in learning more about the insights that we've talked through today, especially the stats around the trust keynote speech, please visit transunion.co.uk where you will find our consumer credit report for 2022, which was recently published. There's plenty of information in there for you to digest. Also, any further information, of course, please visit Altfi's website for information about Festival of Finance, other talks and topics that were covered on the day and upcoming events, etc. Once again, we appreciate you listening and please join us next time as we cover open banking in more detail. This podcast was produced by TransUnion, a global insights and analytics company. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of TransUnion, and TransUnion is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. Thank you.